The following sermon is from Sparks First Baptist Church. All right, everybody. Yes, sir. It's kind of like an open book test. You remember those that you had to school? Those were my favorite. You close the book and it all goes away. You open the book. <laughs> do fairly good sometimes. Amen. Sometimes. Did the baby get one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you have to have real small pencils. Just like anywhere else, 
times away. If the devil can rear its ugly head, it will do it. Amen? Amen. You give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile, as the saying goes. Amen. You crack the door open, he's going to shove his big old stinky toe in there and keep shoving until his whole leg and his whole body is inside the door. Amen? It doesn't matter if it happens in a family, in a marriage, in a, in a relationship on the job, or whatever the case may be. It, it will happen in, in the church house. And that's what was happening here in this new first century church. Satan loves to mess God's people up. Amen. That's right. He's mad as he can be because he lost the soul when they got saved. But he's not giving up just because he lost the soul. He may not be getting that soul back from God, but he can trip that person up and help them to get confused and, and messed up about everything they thought they knew. And that's exactly what he's going to keep doing. What was messing up the early church that John was addressing here was a thing called Gnosticism. It was purported to be started by a group of people who claimed themselves to be Gnostics. Now, the word Gnostic means uh, you have to have a special knowledge to get saved. And you have to be initiated into this group. And, and, and you have to believe exactly the way they believe. And one of their beliefs was that all matter is evil. The flesh is evil. The body, therefore, is evil. That pew is evil. This podium is evil. It's, a ma it's made up of matter. Everything in the universe is evil. And since the body is made up of matter, then Jesus never really had a body. It just seemed as if he had a body. That was the special knowledge that they only possessed because they believed in the way they believed. <laughs> you ever had people kind of look at you and say, well, that's not really true. Here's the way it truly is about certain things when the Bible says completely different. <clears throat> you see, since all matter is evil, Jesus didn't have a, bo a body. Therefore, the cross and the burial and the resurrection was of no significance because it was all about the matter, the body. Therefore, they also believed that since uh, the body didn't matter, you could do whatever you wanted to and never have to worry about consequences. Hmm. Now, to some, that would agree with them pretty good, would it? Such as those who believe they can sin all they want to on Saturday night and go kneel at some guy wearing grandma's nightgown and say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And get their little sins forgiven by a man who's just as much a sinner as they are. <laughs> None can forgive God sins but God. And by the way, his name that we know him as is Jesus Christ. Amen. For in Matthew 28, we're reminded that all, not some, not 98%, not 99.9999999%, but all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. Right, amen. What Jesus said. That tells me that he's in charge. He is God. Gnostics didn't believe it that way. <laughs> so, they had crept into the church just like the devil creeps into your life and my life and anybody else's life that'll open the door a fraction. Not because we want to, but because people get curious about this, about that, about everything. And, and not realizing it's just another ploy of Satan they crack the door, fake, fake people. You ever been watching a mystery on TV? And, and you 
off on occasion, we say, well, nothing wrong with that. I just open the door. And boom, here comes the devil. That's right. Trying to wreck your life. Trying to get you to believe this way or run this way or, or go this way or, or, or whatever. Get you off track. John felt led to write this book, trying to help folks out. To reassure them who they belong to. Let's just be honest here. You don't have to answer, but think about it in your heart. Since you've gotten saved, you ever woke up feeling bad and wondered if you really saved or not? Some of y'all doing this. I said, don't answer that. <laughs> you don't want everybody else knowing your business? <laughs> Oh, we've all been there most likely, at least once. You know who that came from? Satan. The father of lies. He's trying to get a, a, an idea planted in your heart. He's trying to put a seed down there. What happens when a farmer puts some seed in the ground and they water it, they fertilize it, and they, they tend to it? Before you know it, the little plant's wiggled its way up through the dirt hat. Next thing you know, instead of it being this high, it's now this high. Then it's this high. And then it's eight feet tall. And it's got seven or eight ears of corn on it. Each of them's got about a couple thousand kernels of corn on each ear. All from one little seed. Now, if good like that can happen, what do you think bad stuff's going to do? You start out with an extended look in the wrong direction. Guy looks at a woman, woman looks at a man. In, in other words, it's not just, hey, how you doing? And they're going about the business. It's, hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's instead of, hey, how you doing? It's, hey, what you doing? with 
multiple wives all over this planet, Kokob, who were born on earth and, and as, as men and who have to work their way into becoming God so they can come back and help me make more spiritual babies? You see, he knew exactly who they were. The kind of ridiculous doctrine they teach. And he called them out. Could you believe them two fellows got mad and got up and stormed out of the church house that day? <coughs> and he and I both had a good laugh when he told me that story. Yeah. It's kind of like there was a tune that kept coming back in my head. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> Another one bites the dust. I said, Praise God. Maybe you put enough good seed that it might take over the bad seed one day. I don't know. But John's hoping to replant the field. We've seen that done. Somebody plants a field of corn or a field of cotton. All of a sudden, right as it's beginning to come up, it's either too hot or it's raining too much. And the field just doesn't do a thing. All of a sudden, I see some guy out there on his tractor, and he's plowing up the whole field. Then he brings his planters back in and replants the whole field. That's what John's trying to do here. Bad seed has begun to sprung up in the church. And so John starts to get on some guests. You remember taking achievement tests when you were in school? See how much you knew? That's what John's about to do. So start grading yourself. Let's take the test. Commandment section, 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 3. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How do I know I'm a born again child of God? John says, if you keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. In other words, a person who gets saved will have a desire to walk with God. A desire to read the Bible. A desire to pray. A desire to tell other people. Regardless of how well you do it or how poorly you do it. There's a desire. I'm saved. I can't keep it in. I've got to share it with somebody. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit and of truth and the spirit of error. John is saying, if you know God, you'll accept the things of God. You'll follow up on them. You will live your life. You'll receive the word of God. You'll let it take root in your person. And you will use it for his honor and his glory. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's a pretty simple word. It's kind of like Justin, your boss man, coming to you. They he hired you. Let's say it's a Friday. He says, all right, Justin, I'm hiring you. If you want to work, show up Monday morning. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever he says. Amen? So if you want to work, you show up. If you love God, you'll show up. Amen. You'll live by his word. You'll learn to read the Bible, learn to pray, learn to talk to others. Isn't it amazing? 
with his son and grandson, I think it was, went hunting. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. He didn't have to stumble around for words. Because he was talking about something he enjoys doing. If I want to sit down and talk to somebody about baseball, I don't have to sit down and, well, well, you know, this, there's this game that, that they play in this, this thing they call a diamond. And it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but no, it isn't. It's a guy gets up there and tries to hit a ball that another fellow's thrown at. But try to complicate everything. Witnessing is one beggar telling another beggar, hey, I know where you can get some lunch. Simple as that. Let me ask you a question. Here's a simple conversation starter. When you die, do you think it really ever going to happen? You're just sitting down with somebody enjoying a cup of coffee or a piece of pie or hamburger, and you say, you know, Bill or Nancy or John or Fred or whoever. I'm just thinking about something. When you die, you know, you're going to heaven or hell. I guarantee you, if nothing else happens, you'll get there.
says, if you hate your brother in Christ, the love of God does not abide in your heart. Right. That's a pretty tough statement. God is saying, if you're a child of God, you've got to love the other family members. Mm -hmm. That's not always easy. Amen? I mean, we've all been around Brother Tommy long enough to know that's not easy to ask. <laughs> Got to pick on somebody, Tommy. But he says, when you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, it shows that there's something else in your heart as well. Right. I got saved. I started enjoying being around God's people. It's funny, as soon as I got saved, I just started enjoying being with God's people. I'd go with my pastor, we'd go off to fellowship meetings and, and go to other churches, and guess what? I love being around them folks too. We used to do a thing once a month. We'd go to another church and hear preaching and singing and then have a meal together and then go home. I enjoyed doing it. Did you know everybody that you went on? I, said, I didn't know hardly anybody. But you get introduced to people. And you develop relationships based on this. The blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the cord of redemption that runs all the way from Genesis to Revelation. That's what brings us together as a family. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. John says, there's compassion there. A person who displays no love for the redeemed, in his opinion, is not a child of God. Look what he says in chapter 3, starting at verse 14. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. What does it mean, pass from death to life? Well, Scripture tells us that as a lost person, we are dead in trespasses and sin. But when we come to Christ, we have been made anew. We become newborn babes, and we pass from death unto life. And John says, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderers have eternal life abiding in him. What's that mean? You hate your brothers in Christ. There's a more serious problem with the heart, and it's the fact that you're not saved by God's grace. You're a murderer in one sense of the word, and there'll be no murderers in heaven. None, period. Unless they've repented of their sins and come to Christ. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother hath need, shutteth up the bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In other words, if you see somebody needs some help and you don't help them, and you're supposed to be saved, and they're supposed to be saved, something's wrong in your heart. He says, my little children, in verse 18, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. There are people in this world, boy, they'll talk the biggest Bible, they can talk to church, and they'll come with the best dress suit you can find on the market today. And they've got their hair combed just right, got the teeth brushed, and they've, they've had all the, the scope that they could stand that morning, and, and this rain on top of that. And they come in looking like, like right out of a bandbox, so to speak, right, out the, right off the showroom floor, in the highest class department store you could ever think of. And they'll come sit down and they've got that smile. And I love Jesus. And <laughs> I just love all y'all out here. And the moment they walk out that door, could you believe what that old beauty had on his brain? <laughs> I can't 
church dress like that. <laughs> oh, a lot of difference between the church pew and the front porch of the church, ain't there? This good preacher friend of mine years ago, as he was growing up, his daddy was the pastor of the church. Big church even then. So he walked out on the front porch one Sunday night after church, and all the men were standing out there and talking and everything, and, and this one fellow was spouting off as he spit his tobacco. <laughs> and then when we were wearing preachers, we were lined up going to hell. You better take the beam out of your own eye. Amen. Ain't no woman ever gone to hell for wearing breeches in church. Amen. Ain't no man ever gone to hell for wearing a skirt. Well, I might. That might be an indication. I don't know. But what's he saying here? In spite of what you say, it's more about how you act. You talk talks and you walk talk, but you walk talks louder than you talk talks. And I can't believe I got that right on the first try. <laughs> How do you act once you walk outside the church doors? Listen, verse 20 and 21. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knoweth all things. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments. And we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Have you ever felt your heart kind of led you in the wrong direction? Especially when you looked at him like a calf staring at a new cake. Amen. <laughs> oh, and he ain't he good looking. <laughs> Your heart was going thumpity, thumpity, thump, and he was the spawn of Satan, and you didn't even realize it. Yeah. Hearts can lead you straight. You better stick to the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. 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 How'd you do on that compassion section, by the way? Amen? Grade yourself? Don't be looking for somebody else. Amen? What about the Christ-like section? 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And we know that he was manifest to away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever abideth not hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. What's John saying? If you know Christ, you'll act like Christ. Now when he says, he that knoweth Christ sinneth not, does that mean you'll never stumble? <laughs> that means you will cease to live a life of habitual sin. Before you got saved, you didn't even think about it. You want to get drunk, you got drunk. You want to run around with this woman or with that man, you did whatever you felt you wanted to do. But once you get saved, God says, that's not right. You live according to my word now. Act like it. When your kids went off on a Friday night, did you ever tell them or remind them, just remember who you belong to. When you get out there amongst your friends, don't embarrass me and your mom and me and your dad. 
we'll want to come home and go to bed here. Sooner or later. Act like you're a part of this family. It didn't mean you had the best family in town. It didn't mean you had the most money in town. It just meant that you live by a different standard than the rest of the world. And you expect your child to act in that way as well. Amen. That's what John is saying to this church whom the devil has tried to sneak into and mess up. If you're going to say you're part of the church of Christ, then act like you're part of the church of Jesus. It reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things are become new. A saved person develops a pattern of life that pleases God. He that saved the abideth in him ought also so to walk, even as he walked. In other words, we pattern our way of life after Jesus Christ. He was faithful. He was true. He was obedient to God the Father. He lived a life that was pleasing to the Heavenly Father, and we ought to live a life that's pleasing to Jesus Christ as You ever had folks when you got up 18, 20, 21, boy, they're the spitting image of their mom or dad. You know, I've made phone calls to homes and, the, and an older child can answer. I couldn't tell the difference in their voice and mom or dad's voice. I just start talking like they were mom or dad sometimes. Oh, you, you want mom or dad, brother Roger? Yeah. Yeah. I, this is not, oh, no, okay, we'll get mom or dad. Okay, be right back. Dad or mom would show up on the phone, and i say, now, this is so-and-so. Yeah, this is so-and-so. Why is that? They have begun to take on the characteristics of their parents. They've begun to talk like their parents. They've begun to act like their parents. Their mannerisms, when they sit down at a table or when they sit down in your living room to talk to you, they, they remind you so much of their parents. That's what John says to the church. That's how it ought to be with you. When people see you, when people hear you talk and watch you go about your daily business, it ought to remind them of Jesus Christ. You ought to start taking on the characteristics of the one that you call Savior. Just like those kids, they took on the characteristics of their earthly parents. So we ought to take on the characteristics of our heavenly parents. Why is that? Fruit shouldn't fall too far from the tree. Amen? Amen. So I have to come through that section. Score yourself. So, so, all right. Listen, God calls us to bear fruit, not inspect it. Amen? <laughs> bear fruit. Section number five. The companion section. No, four, rather. Section four. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't looking at the eye in front of the beat. <laughs> First John chapter three. Verse 24. Look what John says. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. And he in him. You're in Christ. He's in you. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Amen. There's external marks of salvation. That's the deeds that we do. But there are also internal things that we can look at. Do you feel the Spirit of God leading you on a daily basis? And I don't mean, do you, did you roll down in the church aisle and do headstands over the pews? <laughs> I know that. Oh, now the Spirit got in you. <laughs> but I thank God's not the author of confusion, folks. Amen. Amen. 
still have is a desire to obey the Lord, a, a desire to do His will, a desire to love the brethren, and it manifests itself in the words that we speak and the way that we walk on a daily basis. But I think it's also a resemblance to the Lord when we, our spirits start acting like we belong to Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, verse 13, John says, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us His Spirit. I believe the scriptures teach us that at the moment of your conversion, the day you repented of your sin and asked Christ to become Lord of your life, that the Spirit of God moved in and took up residence. Paul writes to us, and he says how the Spirit seals us, basically. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and he says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby we are sealed, Unto the day of redemption. When God saved you, His Spirit moved in and it was sealed inside of you until the day He calls us home. All right? Amen. I believe when the trump of God sounds and the voice of the archangel is heard and all of God's children are removed from this planet in what we call the rapture, the Holy Spirit will have been lifted off this earth and it's no longer here to keep what could have been happening from happening. That's why I believe when it's all said and done, this place will then truly be a hell on earth. When the Antichrist is revealed and he begins his reign of terror, the Holy Spirit's not here to hold him back. Right now, the Holy Spirit is here in the lives and, and, and of each and every one of us who are born again. He can't do all he wants to do right now. Kind of like the Holy Spirit saying, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. But when we're gone, the Holy Spirit goes with us. It's free reign for the Antichrist then. And it's going to be rough for all those who are left behind. But the good thing is this, you don't have to be left behind. Amen. You can give your life to Christ today. You can trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. The Spirit of God can move within you and make His residence in you and lead you and guide you and use you for His honor and His glory. But it's your choice. It's not mine. It's not your mom and daddy's. It's not the priest. It's not the rabbis. It's not anyone's choice but yours. The Holy Spirit knocks. Are you willing to answer the door? Simple as that. He'll lead you, give you assurance of your salvation. Like a mother wraps her arms around her child every night and, and, and reassures them that nothing bad is going to happen. You ever done that with your kids? Oh, I'm scared. Nothing to be scared of. And you hug them and you squeeze them and you love on them a little bit. And next thing you know, they're saying, let me go, I've got to play. <laughs> Amen. Last section, commitment section. Been almost 53 years, and I stood in an old country church, not far from here, and I told the preacher I love her, take care of her, and provide for her until I'm gone. And I didn't mean until I walk out the door because I got mad at her cooking. Because she's always been a pretty good cook. What I meant was, I'm with her, she's with me until the day I die. Amen. What's that called? Made a commitment. Too many people make commitments at an old-fashioned altar somewhere, whether it's in this church or some other church, some other place, and, and they forget about it. If 
Five years goes along, 10 years goes along, 15 years goes along. I don't care how many years are. You said, till death do us part. Almost 53 years and not once have I ever considered divorce. Thought about murder a couple of times. <laughs> all looking at each other and saying, yeah, we've been there too. <laughs> commitment session. I think true believers, one who trusts Christ and him alone for their salvation <clears throat> and has just set their foot down and said, here's where I stand. Chapter 5, verse 1. Verse John. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. He say, well preacher, does that mean everybody who believes in Jesus is born of God? That's not what John said. What is the Christ? It's not his name. It's his title. What does it mean? The anointed one. The holy one. The one and only Savior of all mankind. Now, whoever believes that has also come to the mindset that I have to repent of my sin and put my faith and trust that he is who he says he is. And so therefore, I have believed that he is the Christ, not just up here, but here. In my heart, my heart of heart, my soul, in my inner being, who I really am. And because I have done that, I act differently, I talk differently, I live differently. I love the brothers and sisters in Christ differently. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. They believe the Bible. They've embraced Christ as their only hope. Then look at verse 13. We've read that before, but let's read it again. These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. What's that mean? God's made a commitment to us. <clears throat> He says, if you'll put your faith and trust in my son, if you'll believe that he is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one and only for all mankind, if you'll do that, I'll step up to the plate and receive you unto myself. That, where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that the promise that Jesus made to the thief on the cross? Amen. He's hanging there, he's dying for his crimes. But yet he turns to Christ and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus turns to him in agony at the point of dying. And he says, this day, not next week, not when your relatives buy enough candles to throw you out of purgatory. He said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's a commitment. That's like a husband saying to his wife and a wife saying to her husband, I love you and you only for the rest of time until God takes this life away from me. Now, does divorce happen? Yes, it does. Does that change the facts of the commitment? We're supposed to live them out. But we mess up. We stumble. We fall. That's the reality of humanity. But aren't you glad God forgives? Amen. Aren't you glad God cleanses? God never goes back on We mess up? Sure we do. But I'm thankful that God never has and never will. There's a commitment. So how do you trust Jesus? You put your faith in him. Amen. You come to the place where you understand that nothing else 
that can get you from here to heaven except the blood of Jesus Christ. You come to this church every single service for the rest of your life. You can be baptized in that baptistry and, may, and maybe renew it every single year. You're just going down to dry center, coming up a well. You can teach every class. You can, you can clean the pews and clean the church every single week. Ain't going to do you been good unless you know Jesus Christ. Amen. Unless you put your faith and trust in the only one who thought enough about us to do it for us. Amen. Look at your achievement tests. I can turn that. When I first decided that God was going to put me in the ministry, whether I liked it or not, went off to Bible college. I got there the semester, the summer semester. I wanted to go ahead and get started. And the news around campus was the big thing that had just happened in the semester that just ended, the spring semester. And there was a big test in one of the professor's classroom. And, and they went through some of the stuff, and they looked through us, and they said, no, remember this, remember this, remember this. And they got to the, uh, the pages, and we've all got it in our Bibles, the, the journeys of Paul. He said, remember this. Well, nobody took him seriously. You know what the test was the next morning? Diagram and write in all the cities Paul and Barnabas and Silas on those three missionary journeys that Paul took. All the cities where they stopped and put a church. Hmm. That was the only thing on the Everybody did so poorly that they had to grade on the curve. You know what I mean? In other words, it's not up to 100. It's whoever made the highest score, that became 100 that day. The highest score on that test, if I remember correctly, I don't know the exact number, but it was only in the 40s. People who made a five graduated or passed the test that day. The curve had been altered that bad because they weren't paying attention when they took that achievement test, so to speak. My question is, if God has to grade on the curve, we're going to get trouble. You see, the reality is, God doesn't grade on the he doesn't say you have to believe in Jesus and him alone. But I'll give you a little slack. If you believe in Muhammad, I'll give you points for that. If you believe in Joseph Smith, I'll give you points for that. If you believe in Hare Krishna, I'll give you a few points for that. And who knows? You might just make it. You see, the Bible is very clear when it says by Jesus that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say me and Muhammad and and Buddha and and Kung Fu and you know and, and Superman and Batman and everybody else did not. He said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Right. No one comes into the Father but by me." Amen. There's no curve on this achievement test. You either come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, or you go, or you, or you listen. The only place left to go is hell. Right. Heaven or hell. Jesus or nobody else? Why is that? Way back in the beginning of the book. God makes it clear, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I don't care how good they may have been, how moral, how clean they may have been. If it wasn't God's only begotten son, it's nobody else. Without him, there's no hope. Without him, there's no heaven. Without Jesus Christ, there's no salvation. There's no radio on earth. You either know him or you don't know him. 
your neighbor. I hope y'all do well. Hope I'll see you on the other side. Amen. 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 So whether we do or not, you had your chance. Amen. Amen. If you're sitting at home watching this morning on Facebook, you had your chance. God's not obligated to give you any more. I hope you made a good grace. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your willingness by John, this apostle, to set things right to that early church, to try to replant bad seed that those who just weren't in tune with you wanted to try to plant in this church. Lord, that problem has been going on for 2,000 years. And the devil's still hard at work today. Help us to rebuke him in your name this morning. To put our faith and trust in you and you alone. May you bless those who could not be with us today, Lord. Those who are sick, those who are out of town, those who, even though they may have just chose to stay home this morning for whatever reason. Lord, I pray that you'd watch over and bring them back. Father, forgive us all where we fail. Walk with us and guide us as you would have us to go. And we'll thank you for it all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Well, let's take the song books. Open them up. To page 625. 625. Let's all stand.
Lord, we thank thee for everyone that is here today, Lord, and for those that could not be here for whatever reason, Lord. We pray you bring them back at the next appointed time, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this message, Lord. If we'll all live by God's commandments, we'll all be better Christians, Lord. Give us a good rest of the day. We'll give you the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
but we gonna we gonna go right now, right? Like no. Have you? Yeah, yeah this five minutes. Yeah, I know. But uh, we met there. Joe Allen. Yeah. Okay. Joe Allen and Tammy. That's a nice picture. Yeah. He's a good fellow when he's sleeping. Tell me about it. He was about, I guess, about eight when I started dating. Oh, my goodness. No, they don't break either. Yeah, we've been trying to get So much more convenient. Oh, yeah. Well, we'd hate to lose you, but if that's where you think God wants you, then we like it. We like it a lot. We don't have to think about this big temporary while well, her. Right now, right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be I got to go home and run. My boss thinks so much. <laughs> if I lived close enough, I sure would. I, mean, oh, I should have known Jason being here stealing all the shirts. How you doing, man? Good. Stay busy up there now? Yes, it's too far. Larry, Larry, Miss. 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 Larry